One of my favorite books to take out of the library growing up was that book, Ripley's Believe It or Not. How many of you have ever taken that book out or own a copy of that book? Let me see your hands. Come on. Don't be shy. I know you read it. Some of you have a copy at home. This, this was one of my favorite books growing up because it was filled with all of these stories of stuff from all around the world that if somebody just told you about it, you would say, well, that's impossible. There's no way that that, that, that could be real. But because it was also a picture book, you could look and see. You could see that it really was true. Now, were a lot of those pictures staged, photoshopped? I'll leave that for you to decide. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to show you guys some pictures, and I want you to vote with your Facebook like or dislike. I want you to tell me, is this picture legit? Is this real? Or is this maybe not real? Let's bring up the first picture. Okay. This guy apparently has the longest fingernails in the world. Guy from India. Now, what do you think? Let's see your votes. What do you think? Show everybody. Is this true? Or is this made up? Is this fake? Show them. Don't show me. You can only hold up one. Okay. What do you think? Is everybody... You know, there is a thumbs up one. Okay. <laughs> She's, there's a lot of indecision here. Okay. This is true. This guy is real. Who voted yes? Me. Okay. You got it right. Let's see the next one. Let's see the next one. What about this? Is that real? Or did somebody put lips on a fish? What do you think? Greta's saying no. No. Somebody, somebody's just made this picture. You're saying yes? Yeah. There's no judgment here. Just you, you vote what you want. Yeah, you can't do both. Double notch. Okay. What did you think? She's saying yes. It is real. This is real. This thing is called a batfish. It is a legit fish that looks like it's like a L'Oreal commercial or something, but this is real. Okay, next, next one. What about this? I'm not sure how many of you ride horses here. Who's saying this is true? It's, they took a picture of it. It's fake. It's got to be true. made it. Okay, so... Oh, you're saying yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes and no. Well, I'm sure there are, they are two real animals, perhaps joined together. This is not true. There's not a shark horse. Okay, what about this? Next picture. This is a fossil found from ancient times. It's, so, it's called a cassette tape. This is an ancient fossil. You think this is a real fossil? What do you think? No. No. They got a picture of it. Okay. Okay, it's not real. It's not real. They really were cassettes, but this is what they used to put music on. And you played music on these. Okay, we don't have time. Okay, finally. Here's a picture of my wife and I. We were, we were in Maui, and President Obama came by, took a picture with us. What do you think? No. Yes. 
Look at that. We got to meet President Obama. She's saying no. Okay. What do you think? Okay, it's okay, it's not true. I would love to say we got to meet Obama, but we didn't. Okay, thanks guys. You can sit down. Hang on to your buttons though, because I you'll you might need them in a bit here. Hopefully what we see from this is that although the phrase goes, hey, seeing is believing, maybe not. Maybe seeing isn't always believing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm trying to get across. With that book, Ripley's Believe It or Not, whether or not somebody actually found dinosaur bones in their sandbox, uh, somebody could actually swallow an entire sword, or you know, you could... I remember seeing once somebody would lift heavy suitcases with their eyelids... Whether or not that's true or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, the way Ripley worked to overcome unbelief was by showing us these impossible things and inviting us to look and see. He was saying, I'm not just going to tell you about this impossible stuff, I'm going to show you. This was basically the exact same strategy used by P.T. Barnum in the 1800s to draw these huge audiences to his famous circus. Now, those of you who have seen that film, The Greatest Showman, how many who's seen that? If you haven't seen that film, you've got to see it. It's awesome. This is the same strategy that P.T. Barnum would use. You remember, he had this, this, this way of drawing in everyday men and women to see this. He would orchestrate this production of, hey, step right up and see, come and see this impossible, weird and wonderful stuff. The bearded lady, the, the strongest man in the world, the, the dancing bear, whatever it is, come and see this impossible stuff come true. See it for yourself. That's how he drew in these huge crowds. But here's the thing I want to ask you to think about. Whether it was the fantastic finds of Ripley or P.T. Barnum's circus oddities, whatever it is, is there anything that's truly life-changing about seeing those impossible come true things once you've seen it? Like, here's what I want to, here's what I mean. Is, are you going to live your life any differently tomorrow because you've seen that impossible-looking thing today? Does it change anything about your life? No. You see that you know, bat fist with the lips? I mean, that's cool, but that's not going to make me live any differently tomorrow. So I'm not going to answer for you, for you, but my guess is if you're like me, probably not. It doesn't really change anything, even though we do see it. What I want to do, just for a few minutes this morning, is tell you a story about a man named Jesus. A story that sounds at least as impossible, at least as unlikely as anything Ripley or Barnum could have come up with. In fact, it was so impossible sounding that even Jesus' closest friends didn't believe it at first, and they'd seen Jesus do some pretty impossible stuff. But what's different about this story in particular is that it actually does make a difference in your life once you've seen it. In fact, it changes everything when you see it for what it is. We find this story in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. If you have a Bible, if you've brought one with you, could you turn to John chapter 20? If you don't have a Bible, there's this brown one right in front of you. Why don't you grab it? If you need help finding this, it's on page 769. Save you from having to look in the concordance. The big black numbers are the chapter numbers, smaller numbers are the verse numbers. John chapter 20, starting at verse 
24. And once you've found that, what we're going to do is I just want to talk about this story for a couple of minutes. I want to show you a few things that I think we can learn from it. One has to do with why this story mattered so much to Jesus' disciples, particularly to a guy named Thomas. And then the next thing I want to show you is why it still matters so much to you and I today. That's all we're going to talk about. Just two things. Why did it matter so much to the disciples back then? And why does it still matter so much to us? So, if you haven't gotten there yet, if you haven't made it there, find it. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. Follow along with me as we look at what the Easter story has to show us about the impossible coming true. Okay. So just to quickly give everyone a bit of context, give us a little bit of a, a previously on the life and times of Jesus, kind of catch you up to the story, okay? Ten days ago, uh, Jesus has been crucified on a Roman cross. He's been wrapped up, laid in a tomb, big stone in front of it, okay? That's a lot of pictures you'll see on Easter stuff. Uh, on the morning of the third day, which is what we're celebrating today, Mary and some of her friends go to visit the tomb and find a stone rolled away, Tomb is empty. She runs to tell Jesus' disciples about this. Uh, uh, the tomb is empty. And basically, aside from two guys, no, nobody's buying it. They're just like, yeah, yeah, no, okay, probably not. Thanks very much. No, not buying it. But then, all of a sudden, Jesus starts showing up all over the place. He starts appearing everywhere. He appears to Mary. He appears to uh, uh, a bunch of Jesus' disciples, each time proving to them in a bunch of different ways that he really did. He rose from the dead. He's like standing there in front of them. Look at me. Been proving to them that although they'd seen him die, he really was alive again. But for whatever reason, and the Bible doesn't tell us, one of Jesus' disciples, a guy named Thomas, he's, he's missed out on all these other appearances. They don't, they don't see it. And so this is where we pick up the story now. Verse 24. Look here. John writes, Now, Thomas called Didymus. That's a weird-sounding name. just means the twin. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, so he's one of Jesus' disciples here, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He had just appeared previously. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Now, now, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. This is Thomas. Okay, so all of Jesus' disciples are together again, including Thomas. He's there. They're all excitedly trying to tell Thomas, look, we've, we've, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. And not just, not just that we want him to be alive. We've seen him. We've touched him. He, he, he's alive. I, was, I talked to him. But you see there in the second half of verse 25, Thomas, he's not buying it. He's just like, guys, that's a great story. Honestly, uh, uh, thanks for sharing that with me. I, I want Jesus to be alive again too, but listen, it's, it's over. We saw him die. We saw where he was laid. That's it. It's time, to, it's time to move on with our lives. And then, you see, he picks what to him would be the most impossible criteria possible. He's like, basically, unless... He knows Jesus was, was crucified. This is where they would nail someone to a crossbeam, put nails through their hands and feet. He says, unless I, I, I see Jesus show up with those battle wounds in his hands and feet, and I can touch him, 
He knows he was pierced in the side with a spear. Look, I put my hand in there. Unless I could see that. No, not buying it. It was around uh, August of just last year that uh, Facebook and Twitter kind of lit up for a moment when it turned out Johnny Depp uh, showed up at BC Children's Hospital dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow. Did you hear about this? This was awesome. Like a lot of people, as soon as that came up, they were just like, no, no, fake news. Thanks so much for putting that up there. I remember one guy said in a news article, he's like, listen, I I was at BC Children's Hospital that day. I I didn't see anything. Now, me personally, when I heard that, I was running to my daughters. I was feeling their head. I'm like, oh, you know, you don't look so good. I think we should go down to the hospital and just get you checked out. Because I was like, this, I don't, let's check it out and see. But just transfer that now back into this story. This would be like that guy, the one guy who didn't see Johnny being like, no, no, no. I mean, maybe some guy showed up dressed like a pirate. Oh, okay, but it's not like Johnny Depp came here. You know what? Unless he used to come into my room dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow, and I could see that it's Johnny Depp, I mean, he would pull up his sleeve and I could see the sparrow tattoo with Jack. Unless I can see that, no, I'm not buying it. The story continues, though. Look now at verse 26. A week later, so a week goes by, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Okay, now Thomas is with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, I'm sure already at this point, Thomas is feeling a mix of like amazement and a little bit of like, uh oh, uh oh. But it gets even worse than that. Look at verse 27 now. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus just basically, What's up now, Thomas? You said you wanted to see, so come on, put your, put your fingers in here. Which sounds weird, right? It sounds like something out of a zombie movie. Guy shows up with like actual wounds in his body. It sounds weird to read it. A lot of people ask, why, why, if Jesus is risen from the dead, why does he still have those marks? Quickest answer I can give you is they're basically like medals that a general would wear on his dress uniform. They're the marks that constantly point to, this is what I did, this is how much I love you, I'm going to carry these marks always because they're going to be a constant reminder for all time now of what I did to reconcile you back to God. So he says, go ahead. You said that's what you needed to believe here. Touch. Go ahead. And look at Thomas's response, verse 28. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. We don't know if he actually did it. But something changed in him in that moment. Something flipped, right? Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, but, but just to highlight a couple things about this impossible come true story, why it matters so much, why it's so life-changing, first of all, for Jesus' disciples. Why did this matter so much for them? Now, you've got to put yourself in the disciples' shoes, really, to kind of understand this for a minute. I don't know how many of you have ever had a, a close friend, a family member, die before. It's a, It's a really sad thing. It's a really hard thing to go through. And so that's already what they're dealing with. They're they're dealing with just grief and sadness. They're close friends. They've seen him die. So they're struggling with that. But on top of that, 
These disciples had a whole level of, of expectation on top of that. It wasn't just that they were sad. There was a level of expectation on top of that about who Jesus was. Because you see, they thought Jesus was this promised rescuer, this promised savior that God had said was going to come in, free them from Roman tyranny, was going to set them up as this superpower nation. That's what they thought was going to happen. And Jesus had been saying all this incredible stuff. He'd been doing all this incredible stuff. And they're like, I think he re- might really be that guy. And then he died. And then they wrapped up his body and put it in a tomb. And it was like, I guess not. I, I guess not. All, all, all the, that hope that they had placed on him suddenly is gone, shattered. So given all that, it makes sense why Jesus would have to work so hard to prove to them that he really was alive again, right? He would have to go to great lengths to, to show them, I, I really am alive again. Now, people often want to stop here at this moment and be like, well, I mean, it's the first century. I mean, people believed stuff like that back then. I mean, they, had, they were superstitious. They believed in fairies and ghosts and stuff like that. So, yeah, it makes sense that they would... These guys would probably believe that Jesus really rose again. We don't have time to get into it, but just the short answer is, historically speaking, that's not the case at all. That's not the case. Jewish people, yeah, they believed in resurrection, but they thought there's going to be one at the end of time where God's going to raise up everybody. So that's what they thought. There was no concept of one person rising again. And for Greek and Roman philosophy, they saw the, the body as, as an evil a wasted sort of shell that held the, the spirit inside. And when you died, you were released from this shell. So resurrection would be something meaningless. They wouldn't have even wanted that to be true. So given all that, you can see why Jesus wanted to make sure. He wanted to go out of his way to give his disciples as much evidence as possible that he truly had risen. And that's what he's doing. That's what we see him doing here. So much so, he's even doubling back. He's going back again just to appear a second time to his disciples. Why? Because one guy, one of the disciples didn't see it. So he goes back again? I mean, why would he go to all that trouble? It seems like such a big deal for, such, for just one person. Why couldn't he just appear to those disciples and say, hey, tell Thomas. Too bad he couldn't have been here. Tell him I rose. I mean, this would literally be as much as like asking Johnny Depp to dress up again Hey, could you dress up again and go back because that one guy didn't see you? Would you go back and do it again? I mean, it seems like way too much. Why would he go to all that trouble? Well, the reason is because we've already seen it. Thomas, he's not buying it. This is, it's too, it's too big a deal for him to just accept somebody's word. He doesn't want to just believe what somebody's testimony. So he's like, no, I, I, I can't believe it. But now, here, in this incredible moment... Jesus returns specifically for the sake of just one of his friends in order to transform him in a moment from a doubter to a worshiper. He, he, he transforms him from a, one minute, Thomas is saying, it's impossible to believe, to in one moment worshiping Jesus as my Lord and my God. It's an amazing transformation. And for Jesus' disciples, this, this is exactly why this story matters so much. First of all, because after appearing to them, after rising from the dead, Jesus is proving that he really was who he said he was. 
He'd been saying all this stuff all the time. He's like, yeah, I've told you a lot of stuff about who I am. I've given you lots of strong hints about who I am. Now I'm showing you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I really am who I've been telling you this whole time I am. I really am the Son of God. I really am that promised rescuer. Look, see, I, I, I need you to believe this really is me. Which leads us to the second reason why this mattered so much to the disciples, because the verses just before this passage, we see the reason that they're all gathering in this room with locked doors, and it's because they're terrified. They're, they're freaking out. Yeah, they were pretty confident before. They were pretty, you know, traveling around, Jesus teaching, good, good, good. But all of a sudden, they watched their leader and friend arrested, severely beaten, and then crucified. I mean, what are they thinking? Okay, which one of us is going to be next? If they can get to him, none of us is safe. Which is why now, after seeing the impossible come true again, seeing Jesus alive, it also immediately removes fear, uh, removes all this whole sense of crushing weight of, of doubt. Seeing the impossible come true, it brings a level of confidence to them, which is actually even greater than what they used to have. Now they, they have a level of confidence. We, we read on. If you keep reading past John into the book of Acts, they're, they're, they're fired up now. They're ready to go. They're like, okay, Jesus, now, now do we get to go? We're going to wipe out those Romans. We're going to be the superpower again, right? I mean, think about it. When you find out the captain of your football team is basically like Thor or, or, or the Incredible Hulk or something, you're like, man, we're going to smoke everybody. Let's go. Who wants to play? Come on. That's what they thought. But Jesus very clearly says to them, no, 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 wait, wait. Guys, I, I'm... I'm glad that you are feeling so confident again. I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad you believe. But here's the thing. Here's what Jesus says. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not calling you to be my warriors. I'm calling you to be my witnesses. That's what I'm calling you to do, to have you now go and share. Tell everybody what you've seen and heard here with me. Tell the world these things so that those who have never seen me like you have can also come to believe. But the truth is, it doesn't matter, warriors or witnesses, they would still need every ounce of that courage because history tells us this witness that Jesus called them to be for all but one of them, it cost them their lives. Every single one of them gave their lives in order to be those witnesses. But they were so convinced of the truth of what they had seen, they were willing to give their lives in order to witness to They said, I can't, I can't say that's not true. I saw him, I touched him. So that's why this impossible come true story of Jesus' resurrection mattered so much to the disciples. What about us? What about us today? Why does this matter so much to you and me? And I think that's an important question to ask because maybe you've never really known why Easter is such a big deal to begin with. And I'm saying that whether you're a Christian or not here today. We might know Easter has something to do with Jesus resurrection. It's pretty clear why it would make such a big deal and a difference to the disciples. But what about us? And I bet you even if you ask a lot of Christians today, they might struggle to, to tell you, well, why does that matter so much to us today? What difference does that make for our lives today? But I promise you, when, when you really see it, it really does make a difference. It makes all the difference in the world. 
And the clearest place you see this 2,000-year-old story tying right into today in 2018 is in verse 29. Look with me there. John writes this, Then Jesus told him, this is speaking to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, there's two things going on here. First of all, Jesus is saying to Thomas, listen, I've, I've met what you thought were your impossible criteria, those things that you said you would need to see to truly believe. So I've shown up, I've shown you my battle wounds, and now you believe. Great. But there's an even greater blessing, an even greater blessing for those who haven't seen me but still believe. Do you know who Jesus is referring to when he says that? He's referring to you. He's referring to me. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about actually everybody. Everybody who's ever existed from the time Jesus left earth and went back to his Father in heaven, even right up until this day, everybody who has never seen Jesus in the flesh. That means we, if we believe in Jesus today, we are even more blessed than Jesus' own disciples who were there walking with him. If we believe without having seen Second thing going on the way is the way that Jesus ties that belief to the blessing. Belief is what gives us the blessing. Belief, belief in what? Well, belief that Jesus is really who he said he was. That's the thing that brings the blessing. How do we know that Jesus is who he said he was? Because he rose from the dead. That's the thing that proves he wasn't just some great teacher saying a lot of nice sounding stuff. Anybody could do that. Nobody could be put to death and then come back again. It's not possible, unless you really were God. If you look at this story, I mean, that's how Thomas came to believe, right? When he thought Jesus was still dead, he said he could never believe. When Jesus was standing right in front of him, he was calling him his Lord and his God, which is exactly, by the way, what belief looks like today. If you ever wonder, like, what does it mean to believe in God? What does that mean? It looks like this. It's coming to Jesus and saying, I'm... I'm I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that you are who you say you are, even though I've never seen you. I've never seen you yet. And I'm just I'm gonna submit the control of my life to you. That's what belief in Jesus is. My Lord and my God. That's what belief looks like. And the reason why this still matters so much for us today is partly because of what it proves about Jesus. That's part of it. But it's also because of what we gain as a result of that belief in Jesus. That's why this is so important to us still today. I mean, there's honestly countless benefits. I want to talk about just two real quickly, and then we'll be done. The first benefit of belief in Jesus for you and me now, today, is acceptance. Acceptance. Acceptance by God himself. And the way we know that we have that benefit is because when we understand the reason why Jesus had to die, it shows us how we have acceptance with God. You see, the big story of the whole Bible is that although God created the world and everything in it good and perfect and without sin, mankind, when we rebelled against God's good rule, sin entered into creation, including us, and we could no longer be in relationship with God because God is without sin. And so we could no longer be in relationship with Him. But because God is both just and loving, 
He didn't just leave us that way. He didn't just leave us separated from himself. He took on human flesh, entered into our world and into our story. That's what we celebrate every Christmas. All for the purpose of giving his life in exchange for ours. Canceling the debt that we owe, that we could never pay, that kept us separated from God. He paid it for us. And so Jesus' resurrection, which is what we're celebrating here today, that's how we know that God accepted Jesus' payment. It's how we know that he said, okay, that debt is now paid in full, and Jesus rose again. And it's also how we know, if we believe in him, how we have acceptance with God as well, because that's what he came to purchase for us. The beginning of this same gospel, John chapter 1. Listen to what John writes. He, that is Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. Listen, yet to all who receive him, to all who who believe in him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's what it means to be accepted by God, to become a child of his. And think about it. In a world where all of us are desperate for acceptance, hold up your likes. Hey, likers, hold up your likes. We're all desperate for these things. We want those so bad. We're all desperate for acceptance. And yet at the same time, terrified that if anybody really knew us, they never would. How awesome does it feel to know that there's a God who who knows you perfectly, knows all the good, the bad, and the ugly, just like he knew Thomas, and yet still fully accepts you and loves you. That's the first thing, that's the first reason why the resurrection matters so much for us today. It means we can be accepted by God no matter what we've done, no matter who you are. You can be accepted by God because of what Jesus did and what he purchased for us in that sacrifice. Second benefit of believing in Jesus for us now, today, is life. Life. Now, my guess is all of you could do this right now Feel a pulse and be like, mm, got that already, thanks. I think I'm good here. But here's the point. One day, somebody's going to do that to you and they won't be able to find one. Right? One day, that's, that's going to happen. Death, that's a reality that nobody likes to face. But no matter how hard we may rage against the dying of the light, one day we still have to face death, all of us. It's a reality that will meet all of us one day, and death, we know, is a thief. It's a thief that robs us of every accomplishment, every relationship. It it takes it all in a moment. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10. He said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now listen to this, just one chapter later, Jesus speaking to a friend of his as he's just about to raise his friend from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, there's that belief piece again, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
See, that's also why Jesus' resurrection matters so much today, both for Jesus' disciples then and, and especially now for us today as well. Because it means if Jesus was able to suffer death, he was able to truly be put to death but then be raised to life again. You know what that means? It means one day everyone else who believes in him can be raised to life as well. And in a world where we're threatened every day, disease, uh, school shootings, uh, natural disasters, even just old age, we're threatened every day with that thief that wants to rob us of everything we hold so dear. How amazing is it to know that because of Jesus' resurrection, although death might still touch us, it can no longer have the final word anymore. That's pretty incredible. It means that death, as, as poet George Herbert said so well, though once only an executioner, now becomes nothing more than a gardener. We are planted in the ground only to be raised to something even better. If you look at the closing verses of this chapter, John chapter 20, John closes with this simple but powerful confession. Look what he says there. It says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He's like, I, I couldn't get it all in here. It's way too much. But verse 31, but these are written, I wrote this stuff down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. That's, that's why he wrote this for us. He's taking what Jesus said to go and do. I need you to go and tell everybody about what I did and, and, and who I am. That's what he's doing here. That's why he wrote this. The celebration of, each, of Easter each year, we look back on the impossible. Somebody coming back to life again, that's impossible, right? Each Easter we look at the impossible truly coming true. Truly coming true. I hope you've seen, this isn't just some sideshow, this isn't some fantasy fairy tale, this is a real event that took place in history that transformed the lives of the people who see it, and it continues to transform lives today. And although we're separated from the actual event of Jesus' resurrection by thousands of years, remember Jesus said, there's an even greater blessing for us today, for those of us who haven't seen, for those of us who weren't standing there, who still believe today. There's an even greater blessing for us today. And we've talked about just two benefits of that. There's many more. I guess you could say sometimes not seeing is believing. We haven't seen, and yet Jesus says, there's an even greater blessing if you can not have him standing there, but believe and trust he really is. These, these reports are true. He truly is who he said he was. I don't know where this impossible come true story finds you today. Maybe you've never before come to belief in Jesus. Maybe, like Thomas, you do believe in Jesus. But the circumstances of life have caused you to lose your grip on what you believe to be true. But wherever it finds you, I pray that Jesus' words to Thomas, you'd hear spoken to you as well this morning. That you would hear Jesus saying to you, look at all that I've done. 
Look at the depths to which I've gone to prove my love to you. And look at what I'm able to do. I was dead and raised from the dead. Look at what I'm able to do. And all that that tells you about who I am. Stop doubting. Believe. Believe. John says that's his whole purpose in writing this gospel, that we may believe. And in that believing, we would find acceptance and life that can be found nowhere else but him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this story sounds impossible. It sounds crazy. It's hard to believe. We don't have picture. Maybe we might like to have you standing here right now. Maybe some of us here this morning would say, yeah, you know what, if Jesus were standing here right now and I could see his body with those marks, maybe I'd believe too. But you've told us there's a greater blessing right now if we just believe the report of those who saw it firsthand and are saying, this is true. This is true. And that believing in you now, we have life. We have acceptance because that's what you accomplished for us in giving your life and then taking it back again. Pray that each one in here this morning would be touched with that message, would be touched with that truth in some way. That you would grow belief in us either for the first time or restore belief again for those of us who've lost it. When we consider who you are and the depths to which you went to love us, you gave your very life. And then what you're able to do. You took that life back again, proving you really were who you say you are. I pray that that truth would touch all of our hearts, that we might know the blessing, the greater blessing of belief today, though we have not seen. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.